Good afternoon, Germantown. Happy Sunday. Hi, Germantown. I am Stephanie here with my co-host, Lois. We are the Everyday Feminist. Feminist. Oh my gosh, I can't even say it. The Everyday Feminist coming to you live on G-Town Radio. Germantown Community Radio, WGGTLP. 92.9 FM, Philadelphia, and online at gtownradio.com. Welcome back. Hi. Welcome back, Germantown. Thank you for tuning in. We are here today to talk about something that um, I personally have on my mind lately, although I have all kinds of intensive interpersonal things on my mind all the time as a psychologist. Well, you texted me the other day, and you had a couple ideas for the show but one idea that you had was just communication styles. Communication styles, because, you know, we were doing a healthy relationships series, I guess, a few, I don't know, a couple months ago, because we had been talking a lot about, like, how healthy relationships are one way to defy the patriarchy. That was part of, like, the premise of our whole show when we first started talking about the show, how we are like, okay, well, maybe some of the most revolutionary acts that we can do is have healthy relationships. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. So that's what I was thinking, is that we could maybe get back to that for a minute and think about, like, another aspect of healthy relationships. So you were thinking about communication, Right. And the reason I was thinking about communication is because I hear a lot, you know, I work with couples and I hear a lot from people that I know, like everyone is always saying that the secret to a good relationship is healthy, effective communication. Well, they're not wrong. They're not wrong. It is. It absolutely is. But does anyone really tell you what that means? Like how within a couple do people communicate back and forth in a way that kind of brings out this healthy communication so that everybody feels heard, everyone feels understood, we're listened to, right? Mm -hmm. Or, you know, the thing that you say was received by the other person in a way that they can hear it so that everyone feels good in the end. Totally. So it's like we have the love languages book that everyone loves, the five love languages Mm -hmm. What are they? Touch. Uh, oh, it's, yeah, it's, touch. Uh, physical touch, words of affirmation, acts of service, gifts, and quality time. Right. So what I think about that list is I think it's a great list, but it's all, that list include, is it's, it's made up primarily of actions. These are actions that you can take that will help your partner feel loved. Or just even to understand yourself. Like if I know that this is my, the, this is an easy way for me to see understand and appreciate love and you know that about me it just makes everything a little bit easier mm-hmm. or and and vice versa right i understand how somebody would you know their receptors it hits all the receptors right right so we have that we have that in terms of actions we've got this book the five love languages it's super handy but i don't know i mean maybe there's a book out there and i just haven't read it But what I see mostly is people talking about how to communicate effectively as a leader or in the workplace, like to your coworkers, right? How can you have effective communication? But I haven't seen a whole lot written about how to communicate effectively at home with the people who live with you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right? I mean, Mm -hmm. and I know for me, I can get frustrated because a lot of times, you know, I've complained about this on the show and hopefully one day I won't need to complain about it anymore. But... (laughs) (laughs) But, Mm -hmm. for example, the 15-year-old that won't put his plate into the dishwasher, (sighs) I say to him often, I'm like, is there some way 
that I can ask you to do this, that you can hear and remember. Like, I don't know what it is that gets in the way of me telling you what I need you to do. And then time passes and you don't do it. Like what happens in that space in between? Is it that I need to say it 14 times, jump up, jump up and down, spin in Fort Source. Like, what is it that I have to do? Yeah, I'm like, I'm, I'm envisioning sewing something for you. Like I'm like, I have like this thing in my mind of like a little pennant banner with like hand sewn, like letters that say, Hey, hey, hey you, Hey you, <laughs> Hey, do 15 it. year old child, do it. <laughs> Just do the dishes. <laughs> yeah. But I don't think it would work. Like I if don't, there, if there was like a, like a blinky, <laughs> It was like blinky and big neon sign. Yeah, yeah, maybe it needs to have like, you know, like a strobe light connected. I I think this is ingenious. This is the ingenious (laughs) mind of Lois Volta at work, folks, right here on G Town Radio. We're so lucky. (laughs) It could be like the walk sign. You know, those walk signs that when you're crossing the street, like it's made for, I guess, people who are visually impaired and it just goes walk, (laughs) walk. And every time the dishwasher like opens and somebody puts, you know, dish in, it goes, yeah it'd be like wash (laughs) wash yeah so i mean you get the gist right it's like this is a thing that i i really want to understand is like how can we say things to each other in a way that can be heard because i really think that people differ way more than we realize in terms of like what is a comfortable communication style when you're on either end when you're the one speaking or you're the one receiving Mm -hmm. I think that we're really different. And frankly, I think, and maybe this is primarily true of the speaker, I'm not sure. But I think that we make a whole lot of assumptions that we assume that the other person is going to hear things the way we intend and that they function in a manner similar to us. Oh, yeah. Like, I think we make this mistake Mm -hmm. across the board all the time in relationships. Like, you know, our brains kind of have some kind of shortcut built in based on our own experiences that we just assume everything is going to be like a repeat of like what it was for us. But it's not. I feel like my go-to is always try to give somebody the benefit of the doubt. Mm -hmm. Okay, so if... I feel misunderstood or maybe I'm having a hard time communicating what I'm feeling or what I want to try to get out. And I'm not sure if it's landing or not. I'm assuming that the other person is smart and understands me. And right. And sometimes it's really hard when the way that they might respond is like, actually, it didn't land. It didn't land at all. Right. Right. And so that's why I was thinking about it would kind of be cool for us to talk a little bit about something that maybe you could even call like meta communication, like within a relationship or within the relationships in your household, having times where you communicate about communicating. Right. In other words, how like maybe we could talk together about how best to say things or, you know, it might be that if I if I'm trying to tell you something and you, especially when you're more emotional, like imagine there's a tense moment, your processing speed slows down, right? right? So you're stressed out or whatever. You can feel like, uh oh, Stephanie's annoyed at me. And so your brain kind of just starts to go, to slow down because maybe you're anticipating getting overwhelmed, which would have been, I'm not saying this is actually true, but like hypothetically could have yeah. been based on an attachment history yeah. or something that happened to you in the past or a way that you dealt when your dad screamed or whatever. So 
you kind of get an adrenaline spike, your cortisol rises up, whatever, mm -hmm. your brain maybe slows down a little bit because you start to get nervous and I start talking faster, right? It's going to be a perfect mismatch, right? That if I start to kind of like come at you or even just try to communicate in a way like I'm trying to dump it all out all at once, like all 14 points I'm trying to make and your brain slows down and then you kind of can't keep up with what I'm saying, then here we have like this kind of communication disaster waiting to happen. Right. Yeah. It's just going to end yeah. up with people potentially either arguing or one person feeling flooded and overwhelmed and the other person feeling ignored. So these kinds of things, I don't know. I personally feel like it's almost like the technique, the technique of communicating. Right. Is something that I personally want to explore a little bit. When you were talking about how it all kind of revs up a little bit, I was thinking about how I was in a relationship where I felt like everything, like I would always be trying to slow it down because I really wanted to be thoughtful with how I said it and mm -hmm. mean what I said. And sometimes that meant maybe speaking in more poetic form, right? Like, okay, this, <laughs> of course, <laughs> Lois is like, I'm going to switch to iambic pentameter now. <laughs> Shakespeare, does Shakespeare work for you? Is that what you <laughs> No, I mean, like, I feel like whatever this, you know, like whatever, uh, analogy or type of story to elicit a feeling that anybody could feel. Mm. So to try to feel what I feel means to understand a root type of emotional response. We, if I were to say like a bag floating in the wind down Germantown Avenue, everybody kind of has an idea of how that might feel on any type of day. That's what I mean. You mean how the bag would feel? I'm lost. No, like, never mind. No, no. Like, no, <laughs> no, like if I felt like a little, like my, if I felt a little wayward or just felt like empty bag mm -hmm. floating down the street on Germantown Avenue, you know, like just feeling like aimless, nowhere to go type of, uh, see, I'm not doing a very good job. No, I would need another, I would need another, well, I was put on this, well, I, would, I no. put myself on the spot I was just there. curious, are you talking about when you're the one that's trying to communicate or you're imagining that the other person might be the bag? No, like, no, If I'm just saying, like if I were trying to communicate something with someone and they didn't really understand where I was coming from, I usually switch to an analogy. An analogy, oh gosh, and that's the analogy. And that was the what analogy. What is wrong with my brain today? See, our communication right now. <laughs> yeah. We, we had a mismatch right we there. We did. But I think that we did a really good job to get through it because we've been talking about it and talking about communication is actually what we're talking about. Exactly. Right? But like with that said, that communication style of slowing it down and trying to elicit a feeling in a more poetic mm -hmm. way was infuriating. To the other person. To the other person. Oh. Because it was like, just get it out. Get out what you got to say. And it's like, I can't. Right. You know, and then I get upset. And right. then it's like, yeah. So when you were saying about like when things rev up, mm -hmm. even like trying to slow it down can sometimes rev it up. Yeah. Well, so we can talk about that too, right? Because, you know, you're talking about a particular, like a particular case where it's like, how do you speak freely with a gun to your head? <laughs> You know, it's like someone's holding a gun to your head and saying, think, think. I don't think you can think so well. Yeah. <laughs> Those circumstances. Right. Yeah. Right. I mean, another thing that has been striking me um, just on this topic 
is not only are we told that communication is the key to good relationships, but also we now are presented with so many modes of communication. Oh, yeah. That all, I mean, I could really say all of which are, are ripe for projection to varying degrees, right? What you, what I might intend when I send you a text message and what you um, might read when you get the text message can really be determined a lot by the mood you are in, right? Yeah. So, you know, you can attach 14 emojis or whatever, but even the way I use emojis might be different from the way you use emojis. And it's like, there's so many different ways that we can sort of get it wrong. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not that it's always wrong. Sometimes we get it right. But it just seems like it makes sense to start to talk about this, especially thinking about healthy relationships. Like, how can we really start to think about, you know, the the people we're communicating with and what style works for them and how to get our message across in a way that, you know, ideally wouldn't make them angry, like what you were talking about yeah. before, because that's just toxic. Well, I feel like the closest relationships I have are the ones that we talk on the phone all the time. Yeah, the phone is so much better than yeah, texting. Why yeah. Not? Yeah. Yeah. I mean because texting is funny because there's like pacing issues, right? Like, you know, if like I was saying before, if you're someone who maybe you typically have your phone with you or whatever or you get back to somebody as soon as they text you, but there's somebody who takes a day, right? So then, you know, depending on you, your history, the meaning you make of it, that day that you're waiting could start to could be a space that like creates anxiety right unless you're like super busy or it's somebody that you're not really you know you're not really too worried about whether or not you hear from them yeah but i hear this a lot too it's just like the 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 waiting space it's like this anticipation of like i'm waiting for the reply and then there is none or there is none at the pace that you would have done it yeah i don't i don't have that as much as other people have the anxiety piece yeah yeah because i feel like if i i don't know i mean and maybe it's another one of those like i uh, benefit of the doubt things it's like i'm going to trust that that person you know is doing something got something else going on i don't know i don't take it personally but do you feel disappointed uh it depends what it is i feel like most things i don't like to take personally so if somebody like doesn't get back to me or something that has says nothing about me. So that is something then for the people in your household to sort of know and understand that you're somebody who won't take it personally. Right. So they know that it's like, if it, if they're in the middle of something or whatever, Lois is good. Like she's good. You don't have to, you don't have to think about that aspect of her at that time. But there also are people in my life who I know get stressed and feel certain ways. So it doesn't mean like it makes me know that, okay, this person has this particular communication style. I love this person. I respect this person. I care for this person. So I'm going to make sure that I communicate in a way that they like and that pleases them because I want to do right by the people that I love. Precisely. I mean, mm-hmm. so that was the that was exactly my next point mm-hmm. because there are people who don't feel it the way you feel it. And it's not even not even if they take it personally or not, but you know, again, all of these moments in relationships I think are all, you know, they all kind of like stir up history. They all mm-hmm. your old ghosts come out. So mm-hmm. if you like, let's say you had a, a parent who abandoned you or whatever, mm-hmm. like pick your thing, or you were frequently found yourself alone as a kid and you were scared, whatever could have happened in the past. These things that seem so silly 
can kind of well, trigger first that. of all uh stop what do you mean seems so silly you just described two different traumatic experiences and then summarize them up as silly well, no, the experiences aren't silly, yeah. but it sort of can seem like, oh, Stephanie, why are you making a mountain out of a mole? Like, why, oh, why would it be yeah. like, why would trauma be at play in a text message? I mean, isn't that a little bit overkill? But yeah. I actually think it can be. And, you know, that that a lot of these ways that we we try to connect with each other, like the attempts to connect, they they stir parts of us. Totally. That people are maybe more or less aware of. And I sort of feel like if you know who you're communicating with and you know how they receive communication or what pace works for them, then it just seems like it makes relation relating so much better. Well, I mean, you know how I feel about don't have anybody in your life that doesn't respect you. I don't know. It's like if you have somebody in your life that you're feeling like isn't being respectful with where you're coming from mm-hmm. and what you bring mm-hmm. and like even your anxiety, like everything that you bring with you. Yeah. If, you if you're holding it or want to put it down or like see yourself in a different place in the future, but who you are right now, if you're not feeling respected as who you are right now, not a future projection of you. Right. Then like, what are you, what are you doing? I mean, I know there's kids and people you live with and the people in our lives that like don't go away, obviously, you Mm -hmm. know, and then we learn to love and forgive and accept and continue to try to let people know what affects us. Right. Right. But if you're able to leave a relationship where you're not respected, then I guess that's what you're saying. Like, don't stick around. You yeah. Don't have to or stick around I, or let's let's say you were feeling consciously anxious by someone or worried by someone and you let that person know that you are feeling anxious and worried about it and they didn't seem to respond well to you. Mm-hmm. It's like, OK, well. Not only did they not hear what you had to say, then you're not asking them to like change or modify or be a different person to fit into who you are. It's just a general understanding of uh, this is who I am. Right. I mean, I personally think a lot of this kind of comes down to love. Like in a relationship, like the relationships at home, presumably, hopefully you love the people that are there and you want to have good experiences with them and they want you want them to have good experiences of themselves and of the relationship and of the home, mm-hmm. right? And of you. So the more that we can find ways to bring it, bring it back, like bring it into that environment, the better. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. and relationships. I mean, it gets complicated when you're talking about a family system, like systems are more complicated, obviously, than just kind of like a couple, mm-hmm. you know, the parents or whatever, the boyfriend, girlfriend or whatever couple you're in. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know. So there in, in a couple, you know, there's just two people. And so that makes it in some ways it's still pretty complicated, but it's not as complicated as an entire family. Yeah. Yeah. And I sort of think like, can we really appreciate, like really appreciate in this kind of narcissistic society that we live in, that when there are two people in a relationship, that means there are two people in a relationship, Mm -hmm. right? There's essentially three entities. You've got yourself, your, your partner, and then the two of you, the couple of you, right? And so the more they think that we can kind of hold in mind the mind of the other person, the better. Yeah. So I might know like Lois, you know, Lois responds best when I take this particular kind of tone with her, if I need her to do something. Mm -hmm. And I, maybe I know that because of experience and I've really watched you and I've tuned into you and I've paid attention to what makes you anxious and what makes Mm -hmm. you calm. And I've learned you that way. 
Or maybe we've had a conversation where you've told me, hey, listen, when you XYZ wait too long to reply to my message or when you don't call me back or when whatever it is, it makes me feel really nervous or whatever. And I know that whatever it might be, I know that about you, then I can kind of take some steps just as a gesture of care to look out for that. Mm -hmm. And I don't think that that's controlling for someone to want to, I guess, kind of create a script or something for how the how relating can go between two people. No, it's just bringing your personal preference and just letting the other person know about you. Right. And if the other person that and that's why it's not personal, the other person doesn't get that. If the other person doesn't like accept that, if the other person doesn't like that, then that's not your problem. Right. And it's not that you don't want to try to communicate. You did try to communicate and they didn't uh, they didn't pick up what you were putting down. Right. That and that's not on you. Right. It's not on you, but it can create a fight or it creates, you know, moments of tension. And that's true. And then the question is, you know, can you get through that? What do you think about, I'm going to shift gears a little bit, <laughs> your, your eyes, you're yeah. like, what, 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 what? what's going to happen? Well, now? I was going to say, well, I, I think it's like a little bit, I I'll just preface this with, I don't know exactly how I feel about it. And I wanted to ask you from a psychologist point of view, how you feel about the Imago therapy. Oh, Imago therapy. Yeah. Well, I mean, I don't practice. Mm. I mean, listen, this is where I date myself because to me, there's so many new therapies that are all just kick you know like Mm -hmm. offshoots of Mm -hmm. the main two yeah yeah (laughs) and so to me imago therapy is just it it uses what what we call in the psychoanalytic world object relations theory Mm -hmm. although it just relabeled it okay (laughs) right and so if i'm if i'm tell me if you know more about imago therapy than i do it could be the case but so tell me if this okay so from what i understand of what it is it's let's let's say you were abandoned as a child and you have attachment issues and let's say my issues were like trust issues mm-hmm. or things like that, right? So I might not be able to relate to right. your issues and you might not be able to relate to my issues. Right. Although trust and abandonment both go hand in hand, but whatever. Mm-hmm. So let's just say, or from what I understand, the the therapy technique is if I make a conscious effort to meet your needs, it indirectly ends up healing the needs that I have that in the places that yeah. I need to grow. I mean, so then I just kind of want to laugh that like, why did all of therapy have to get rebranded as a, <laughs> but okay. Uh, yeah. No, but the, I mean, it's the concept, right? Yeah. What, like, let's take like the brand and like the therapy method out of it. Just the concept. Well, the concept. Yeah. And the concept goes way, 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 right, way back. Right. Right. To the British object relation theorists who were like post Freud. But yes, that is the mm-hmm. case. And that mm-hmm. is sort of like what that is how therapy works. I think it's how relationships mm-hmm. work. You know, there's a concept in um, psychology that people don't talk a whole lot about. Like we talk about like how securely attached are you? Mm-hmm. Right. So there's, you know, a million ways to have an insecure attachment. And I won't get into all of them. But I can tell you that a healing relationship with a partner with a clergyman, with a therapist, with a friend, whatever. Healing relationships can help someone reach a status called earned security. So if you started out like with an insecure attachment style, over time in a healthy relationship, you your attachment style will change and it can become more secure-like. Mm-hmm. 
-hmm. It doesn't mean you won't have little areas of sensitivity still, but it really means that you can kind of get to a new place, right? And this is like an attachment, an attachment category that we don't really think about Mm -hmm. a whole lot. The earned secure, like I had a rough childhood. It got better. You know, something healed me. Right. And so I think that the more, maybe this is what you're talking about with Imago therapy, the more we can hold our partners in mind in that way or the people in our households in mind in that way, the more we can contribute to them having a good experience of themselves, of themselves in relation to others, of relationships. And it helps us heal the parts of us. I think that's, that's, the, that's the part of it that I really like is that when we do make an effort to meet people where they are, it's not like karma, things come Mm -hmm. back to you. Like, I don't even know if I believe in that stuff. But like when we look out for someone's well-being, when we look out and when we care, it gives us dignity within how we act. And that helps build the secure um, attachment to the way that we treat and respond ourselves. You mean within yourself? Within yourself. Right. Yeah, I think that's true. Sort of the way I, I felt this way in parenthood a lot that doing right by my kids was healing to some part of me, mm-hmm. right? Being mm-hmm. consistent, being available, like all of the ways that my own parents didn't get it right, I could work and get it right with them. Mm-hmm. I mean, it doesn't mean I'm not going to make mistakes because you shouldn't, you shouldn't be perfect. That's not good for kids either. But yeah, that, you know, there were some ways that, you know, and even just in terms of like meeting basic needs that for me hadn't been met as a kid, being able to do that for them helped me. Or how about like the flip side of that, right? Is because a lot of this is, okay, so we're talking about communication and how to communicate. So what about the flip side of being in a, a relationship and really, really trying to understand the other person and making all that conscious effort and having the healing that you see and you're doing and you realize mm-hmm. that you do enough healing to realize that the other person isn't doing it back to you. So then you grow out of the relationship. Right. Well, but that's like when that kind of mismatch happens. It's exactly. unfortunate. Yeah. And right. there's only so much you can do. Yeah. Well, there's only so much you mm-hmm. can do. But I think its opposite is also true. That there's a lot, really, that you can do if both people are motivated. Exactly. I believe that. Right. If you really want to, like, create a, like, a loving bond or a long-term so- situation, mm-hmm. assuming that's what you want, there are really ways to do it that feel really good to both people, mm-hmm. where both people can feel heard and understood. And that's, that's, that's the crazy thing too. So if you came to me and you said, Lois, there's a part of our relationship that feels bad. If I were to respond with defensiveness, yeah. if I were to respond with, well, I've done this and I've done that and I've done this, it completely takes the focus off what you're feeling and what you're trying to communicate, makes it about me. And in a way that like, not only am not, have I not received you, I'm not caring for you back and you end up like feeling like you've done something wrong. Right. I know defensiveness in that regard is so bad for relationships. Oh my goodness. It's a terrible way to communicate. Yeah. I hear this a lot, you know, in my practice, I hear it a lot and often, often it's gendered, but not always. I mean, it tends to go like where women feel not heard by men, but I also have male patients who have the same experience. Mm -hmm you know, that they're trying to communicate something to someone and the other person really has just a wall. And it's like a, it's like a force field that bounces it all back to the original, the person who's trying to communicate something. 
And that is just wildly frustrating. Yeah. Yeah. When you're the, when you're the person trying to be heard. Right. So I, I think that's really true. The more that we can, I don't know, the more that we can all think about this, the better. You know, I guess this idea of like speaking in a way that can be heard and the receiver being open to hearing, really, it changes everything. And it makes me think about the, I don't know, was he a Taoist, a Buddhist, the philosopher Thich Nhat Hanh, who talked about... You love him. I love him. You love him so much. I love him so much. much. He's so good. (laughs) Well, because he, you know, he has a way of talking about relating um, and relationships that always just makes a lot of basic sense to me, right? It builds in like love and respect. So he just defines love as understanding. Like if you feel understood, you can feel loved. If you feel loved, it's because you're probably feeling understood. So if you come to someone and say, hey, something's happening in this relationship that's hurting me, right? It's bothering me. And the person you're reaching out to to share that with gets defensive. You're just left alone holding the bag like and feeling even worse, right? And it, it becomes almost the opposite of love. I like the idea of feeling understood, but there's some sometimes it needs to be more than just... For me, I hear you say that, and my thought is it needs to be a little bit more than being understood. It's about feeling safe, too. Mm-hmm. Like, I need to feel not only understood... Well, whatever like understood or not understood feel safe to be able to express myself and to let understanding be able to reveal itself and so how do you feel safe like what's present when you're feeling safe well that I don't need to put a wall up that there's no like little red flags you know like all right well if you if you say that if you say I have a feeling or I have like something that doesn't feel right and you're scared to say it or you're afraid that you're going to rock the boat. I mean, how many I'm sure of your clients or my friends or just people that we know bite their tongues because they don't want to rock the boat. Mm-hmm. That's what I mean. Yeah. Like I feel loved when I don't feel like I need to bite my tongue, but that it's that I know that the other person is going to trust that I, I'm not out to hurt them. Yeah. Right, that you're just trying to communicate an experience that you're having of a relationship, which doesn't mean I'm blaming, attacking, accusing any of that. I liked what you said about how feeling understood, when you feel understood, you feel loved. Mm -hmm. Well, that wasn't me that said it. That was Thich Khan. (laughs) That was me saying what he said. Just got to, you know, (laughs) give the man some credit. Yeah. Well, what, uh, what happens like when you understand someone and you understand where they're coming from and you hear their reasons and you, you see why they did the, what they did and you don't like it. Well, not everyone is for you. I know, right? I know, but that's why I feel like sometimes to just say, to be understood feels like, I feel like there's like the other side of that is like, sometimes I, I, I understand full well what's going on. And it does not feel loving at all. Well, I'm but, actually, now I'm mad. Well, I mean, understanding, I guess, from the perspective of the other. It's not just like I've evaluated you correctly. It's more like I want to know what you really mean by that deep inside of you. It's like I can understand the circumstances or I can do my detective work and put the pieces together and know what happened. But the kind of understanding I'm talking about is like at the soul level or like whatever Mm -hmm. it would be that it's like to the extent that the person is aware of it, which is another thing that we should talk about when we talk about communication. What's that? The unconscious. We all do things 
all the time for reasons we don't understand, all of us. And I think that we operate under this delusion, this shared cultural delusion, that everyone knows why they do what they do and that everyone is intentional when they're doing something. When in fact, I think so much of the time people don't know. I mean, unless you've been in like 50 years of psychoanalysis three times a week, maybe then, you know, or, you know, you've really worked hard to get insight and to come to understand yourself. Or you are enlightened. Or you're enlightened. If you're a Buddha, if you were born a Buddha, <laughs> then maybe my, my, yeah. my son who won't put the dishes in the dishwasher is in fact kind of like a Buddha, <laughs> but just not when it comes to like Literally. house care. Right. Mm-hmm. But, but I think that like, this is another thing I see pretty frequently and it's kind of does a, does a number on relationships. Yeah. I, I can't help it. I like hear my dad's voice in the back of my head to give him the benefit of the doubt, give him the benefit of the doubt. And honestly, I'm going to talk about Jesus for a second. Oh no. <laughs> Lois, I know. this is like, I this know. is community radio. I know. I've got such a weird relationship with him. <laughs> Man, man, it's weird. Okay, so, but anyway, so there was something that I really, really thought was super cool about the last thing that Jesus said. Okay, he's like, Father, which is also super annoying. Just want to preface that, that the idea of God being Father, please. Well, that's you know, but anyway, anyway, or that's the translation, whatever. He says, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Mm-hmm. And then he dies, mm-hmm. right? So, like, People are coming at him. People are ki- people just killed him, mm-hmm. and his response to it is they don't even know what they're doing. Right, because they're unconscious of it. Exactly, or they just don't know. Yeah. So then I can take that and I can be in a situation and somebody's like really acting like what the heck is happening right now. I know that they probably have no idea that they're treating someone like this because who in their right mind? would intentionally try to say, I want to make Lois feel terrible. Well, like, I just, I just, I don't think that that's, that people, I mean, hey. I, listen, I do think that there are many people who are not in their right mind. Oh, well. <laughs> many, many, many people mm-hmm. are not in their right mind, and many people do, in fact, enjoy those things. Hopefully right. not many. Well, yeah. I'm saying many, but hopefully the many is a small proportion. Let's right? like let's just say we're not talking about sociopaths. Right. Just normal people. Okay. Right. Well, what's normal, but... <laughs> Yeah. Everyday yeah, people. Yeah. Like I, I think that like somebody, somebody, and let's even, let's take it for like somebody that I know who's in my life, who said something that was so offensive and so hurtful. If they're just trying to express themselves and they say something that's so offensive and so hurtful, but they're really trying to communicate with me something. I think it's more about what they're trying to communicate with me than, than like they don't, they don't realize right how upsetting that actually hit on so many deep levels that they don't know because they don't know know where I'm coming from. Which gets back to sort of like a model for communication that, that I think about in terms of like, how can we have healthier communication or what can we hold in mind as people communicating with each other, especially in a dyad, right? Mm -hmm. And we have two people like in a couple, I think that a thing that can happen is that if you can think of like an infinity loop, you know that what the it looks yeah. like an eight but sideways, mm-hmm. right? 
I think that if you were to trace words and impact between two people, right? So you've got two people, let's imagine them standing face to face, you know, they have a mouth and then below it a heart. So imagine that someone says something out of their mouth and what they say lands in the other person's heart. It hits them in the gut and maybe it doesn't hit them in the right way. So then the word, it kind of like, then it comes up and go, words come out of their mouth and maybe it hits the other person in the gut. And it doesn't go the right way, yeah. right? So that it's almost... Or right between the eyes. Right. <laughs> but it's like, because it's sort of like when you're speaking to someone, you're not necessarily speaking to their brain. You're speaking to their history. You're speaking mm -hmm. to their past. You're speaking to like a lot of like emotional resources that, that they may have or have not have, right? So sometimes like miscommunication can happen because I said something and it hit you it hit you in a place that's sensitive to you, even if that wasn't my intention, right? So certainly in a couple, like the aim is to learn where those spots are. The person who's maybe kind of got a weak spot in their gut can try to get it a little stronger at the same time as the person communicating with them can be sensitive to that right? and aware of that and vice versa. And that can be for so many things. It, it can be tone, although tone is a tricky one. It can be pace, how fast you talk. Mm -hmm. It can be the types of words that you say, like whatever your vocabulary is. You know, there are so many ways. Yeah. You can think about responsiveness. Do you respond fast or slow? And yeah. how is that for them? Yeah. You just made me think of, I, I had, I worked with a woman who had, she struggled with a stutter. And what that meant is it just took longer for me to wait for her to get things out which was not a problem. Let's slow the whole conversation down. Like I didn't mind it. Uh, uh, eventually I didn't even notice. It just wasn't even something that I noticed anymore. Right. And something that I had to be really mindful of is when I'm going and I'm feeling passionate or I'm feeling like and just I'm rolling. It's really overwhelming to her because she goes at such a slower speed. Exactly. And it has nothing to do with intelligence. It has nothing to do with even her processing speed. It's just a style of communication. Right. Right. But it could be. I mean, it, it's like we all have our own. I don't know. We all have different minds. We all have different minds. We all have different experiences. We all have different histories. Mm -hmm. We all have sort of like different neuronal layouts all over our body. Like mm -hmm. I just different pathways. And I think the more that we can really respect that, you know, that like in a relationship, there are two, like there are two distinct people there. And then there is the third entity that comes together when you're relating to each other. Right. I really think that America struggles with this this idea that there are two people in a relationship and oh. that you are not an extension of me. Your brain is not a perfect match for my brain. The way yeah. I talk is yeah. the way you talk. Yep. You know what I mean. You know what I mean. How many times have, oh my gosh, what, like one of my least favorite things to hear is you know what I mean. Like, I don't know what you mean. I don't think I know what you mean. Like, how mm. could I know what you mean? I'm not inside of you. Mm. Like you're going to have to use words and I'm going to have to slow down and you're going to have to communicate what it is that you mean to me. Mm. Like, what do you mean? I think people say that just to kind of do a temperature check to see if you guys are related. Well, no, I think, there, no, there's the, do you know what I mean? And then there's the defensive, you know what I mean? Oh, the defensive one. I'm thinking more like, no, I mean, no, that's different because that's also got a question mark at the end of yeah. it. So someone yeah, can yeah, say, yeah. no, I don't. Could you clarify? Instead of stop talking, you already know what I mean. 
Well, do you know what I think about that, Stephanie? <laughs> that doesn't sound very safe to Lois. <laughs> I uh, have, I talk about this all the time, and I just get so... When you say, like, even, like, it being an American problem, like, there is a plague. I've written about this. Just, like, there's, like, a plague in the heart of the American people of this rugged individualism. <laughs> Lone Yuck. wolf, you know, no. like you got to be strong and pull independent. Yourself, pull yourself up by your bootstraps. Do Lois. it, and if you can't, <laughs> you can't be part of the herd. Yeah, yeah. no, that's what you I. Can, and you'll never be able to catch up. Yeah, and then it's like when, and then when you go to relate, it's like okay, well, for just these individuals just shouting. It's like this echo chamber of like individualism that nobody hears, mm -hmm. heard, nobody feels understood. Just slow it down. And then, and then lo and behold, surprise, surprise, we have an epidemic of loneliness. Yeah. Where did or that depression. come from? Yeah. Or depression or like, yeah. Yeah. Pick your mental, yeah. pick your mental illness or your emotional struggle or whatever. That's like the way that this culture creates this individualism yeah. is a killer. It's a killer. We it's are really born for relatedness. We're, we're wired for it. We were born as babies looking to relate. That's what we do. Yeah. Yep. We're wired. We, you know, our brains seek it out. Yeah. Which is all the more like if we're taking it home and we're like taking these concepts, taking this conversation and like now apply to the home. Like how many times can we relate to the people in our lives on a daily basis in a way of just the very simple acts of one person wa washing the dishes, the other person drying and putting them away and just asking them about their day. Mm -hmm. There's nothing to it. It's just getting to know someone, right. asking it with curiosity. Yeah. I mean, but like those types of things break down these like, I shouldn't have to do the dishes because I did them yesterday. Like so you're an individual. You are seeking out what's fair mm -hmm. and you don't want anyone to trample on you or like you're only looking out for yourself. Instead of being like, okay, how can we work as a group? How can we work as a partnership? How can we talk to each other in a way of relatedness, not just your own interest first? Right. And so it gets back to sort of like openness, curiosity, patience, you know, all of these things that go into good communication. You know, really, like when you're really trying to understand where someone else comes from, like is coming from when they're communicating to you, like maybe you don't get it. Maybe they're saying something that you really don't understand or you don't, you don't think that you did, you did the thing that they seem to be reacting to. Someone's feelings were hurt and you know that you never intended to hear them, to hurt them, sorry. Right? You know that. Mm -hmm. But someone's coming to you saying, my feelings are hurt anyway. It's not what you intended to do, but still, that's the state the person is in. So why not be open and curious about it? You don't... You know, and it's it's not so hard to apologize and to explain, wow, gosh, I never even meant to hurt you. I can't believe that hurt you. Now I understand something more about you. Right. And the things that do hurt you and where a sensitivity is. So, hey, how can we strengthen that and how can I work on that with you in the context of this relationship? And I think that that's a really good distinction there because it sometimes when people don't intend to hurt and they still create hurt, the intention is it's coming from a really good place. Yeah. You know, it's like all they don't the time. all the time, but the, it has to be, it has to be held with. And I don't want to do that again. Right. It's like we all have areas of sensitivity. There's not even anything to be ashamed of about that. It's yeah. like, Hey, when you, you know, when you do X, Y, Z, it kind of hits me here. 
Mm-hmm. And maybe, you know, like you were saying, you can hold in mind that the other person has good intentions when you communicate that instead of you meant to do that. You meant I've had a feeling and therefore you must have meant to put it inside of me. Right. Yeah. Like You must have meant to make me feel bad. Not necessarily. People do all kinds of things. And also we have all kinds of reactors in us. Totally. Right. And so someone you might have a really super hot button that someone accidentally gently taps and it just electrifies you. Totally. If you feel like they went in for the kill to hit that button, that's going to be a very different kind of conversation than than if you assume that it was an accident and you just let them know, hey, look, this is an area of sensitivity of mine. Yeah. And I think that I mean, there are some people who are provocative in ways that they are trying to hit those buttons well that's um, what i was saying yeah, earlier yeah. yeah that there there are you know certainly there are kind of like messes <laughs> people that really you know have a lot of hostility in them and you know frankly they have it in them for good reason too it just may not be that it works for you in a relationship right right some people need to kind of work some things out right maybe with a therapist or someone else before they're in a state where they can really enter into a relationship like you got to do your own work sometimes right. first but that kind of gets back to something we were saying earlier too it's like okay let's say you're communicating with somebody you're not feeling understood there's hurt involved and they're getting defensive and it's just not like okay so if i can if i have a relationship like that in my life. I can still give the person the benefit of the doubt. I can still say their subconscious is like bumping up on something in me. Mm-hmm. That's like making me feel not good. Yeah. Like whatever. Like they're not meaning to hurt me, but there's, there's, it's still every time I interact with this person, it doesn't feel good. It feels bad. That is then my choice on how I respond to it. Right. It's not it like takes the emphasis off the other person because, you know, better now, you know, that even if you are giving them the benefit of the doubt, even if they are saying that I don't mean to hurt you and they're still doing it, doing the thing and they're not acknowledging it, then it's like that that's on that's on me to be like, okay, well, how am I going to respond to this? And maybe that just means. I don't really feel like it's safe. And that's the safe thing. It's like, I don't feel like it's safe to like let down my guard and really be myself with you. So what's on you is the decision to stay or go. Maybe the decision to have the wall up or not. And some people in my life, I need to have a wall up before I roll up because uh, I'll make myself susceptible to somebody else's just like uh, carelessness. Right, right, right. I think that's an important thing that you're talking about. This idea that if some, if you know where someone's area of sensitivity is and you just override it, you know, or you make it their problem, well, toughen up then. Like, I don't, like, if you feel like you don't have to change your communication style to have a healthy relationship, then maybe don't be in a relationship. Yeah, you got to work on yourself, right? It's like we all need some self-awareness, but also we learn so much about ourselves from being in relationships with each other. Like your partner will teach you, your kids will teach you. Oh my gosh, your kids will teach Mm -hmm. you about yourself. They will teach you things about yourself. If you care to listen that you would never have known any other way. No one in the world in your life is ever going to watch you and know you as carefully as your child. Their lives depend on you. They're looking at you. They, they, they have you memorized. They know every expression, every tone of voice, every word in your vocabulary. They know it. And so if you get feedback about yourself from your child, 
it behooves you to listen Mm because probably they're telling you something very, very true. Mm -hmm. And even if it makes you uncomfortable, you can learn and grow from it. I mean, that's sort of my approach yeah. to parenthood. Well, that's, anyway. that's also a very like Buddhist and Quaker philosophy too. Like the light of God is in all of us. So to respect and hear and listen to a child in a way that they have a real light and wisdom that they can bring yeah. into your world. Or like, I like that. I like just assume everyone is the Buddha, even if they're like acting out, because what does that elicit in you? Like, what is the, what is the Buddha trying to tell you? Mm. And it's like, oh, okay, you just said that thing and that is making me feel a feeling that, oh, I need to identify this. Where is this coming from? To do a little introspective. Right, right. And so it's, you know, and also the other thing we have to, I guess we have to wrap up in a minute, but the other thing maybe to end on this to keep in mind is that we all have all of it. Like we all have the capacity to feel and think anything. And there are probably parts of you that I also have, maybe not in the same configuration, maybe not to the same degree, but chances are, if you're telling me something about a feeling you're having in relation to me, if I think about it, probably I've had that feeling before too. And I probably could find it and I could probably use the finding of it to imagine where you're coming from, even if it wasn't what I meant, even if it Mm -hmm. wasn't my intention, like, but that I can say like, Oh gosh, wow. I know that feeling. I didn't know that I was giving you that feeling when I did this thing, but now I do empathy, baby and attunement. Mm -hmm. But yeah, right. Mm -hmm. That it, it really can go such a long way. Yep. It's been super fun communicating with you about this, Lois. Totally. I think that you are a very good communicator. Do you? I do. Oh, thank you. I do. I have no idea. But now I have feedback, so I can take that. (laughs) I love communicating with you. And I I don't, I never like struggle to understand what you mean. I think you're a good communicator. Thank you. Same Mm -hmm. to you. Same to you. Mm -hmm. So we'll just end on a note of positive regard, Mm -hmm. unconditional positive Mm -hmm. regard for each other. Thankful for (laughs) you, lady. That's another, that's another show. Yeah, well. Thanks for listening. Thank you can, uh, if you want to re-listen or share with your friends and all that, you can go to any podcast, you know, the Spotify's, the Apple's, Podcasties, like all the places. But share it, please. Share it, yep. And we'll be back. I don't know if we're doing a show next week, but we'll be back certainly in two weeks. So Sounds good. So we'll see you later, Germantown. Bye. Have an awesome Sunday. Stay warm. It's mm-hmm. cold out there.